0: Hello, this is Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, with the newsworthy updates. Counselor to the President, Kellyanne Conway, confirms American voters will not be seeing President Donald Trump's tax returns ever, and that Press Secretary Sean Spicer spoke in alternative facts when contesting media contest between 2009 versus 2017 inaugural attendance. After insulting Americans involved in the demonstrations the day after his inauguration, President Trump conceded such marches are the, quote, "...hallmark of our democracy," unquote. While the world may be divided over expectations of a Trump presidency, the Women's March in D.C. and in multiple American cities, as well as on every continent on the planet, proves there is power in the unity of peaceful assembly guaranteed in the Bill of Rights of the United States Constitution. Now join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.
1: Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class
0: as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to The Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is Daniela Gibbs-Lergey. she is the senior vice president for communications and strategy at american progress previously she was the organization's senior vice president for american values and new communities where her work focused on the intersection of politics race demographic change and religion and values prior to joining american progress daniela served as a special assistant to the president in the role of director of message events in the Obama administration. Our guest today was responsible for helping to plan and execute the president's official domestic events. Prior to joining the White House in January 2009, Daniela was the vice president for communications at American Progress, where she specialized in domestic and economic policy, as well as the overall communication strategy of american progress daniela also worked at sony music in new york city my hometown for three years before moving to washington dc also a hometown of mine first daniela welcome so very much to the uh, reasonable voices radio show greatly appreciate your being our guest sure thanks for having me Uh, my pleasure i know you're extremely busy because i got to say this past week has been as uh, shall we say um, consistent with the entire year of 2016, with its surprises and twists and turns. So I know you're extremely busy, but let's start off with something as light as possible. For instance, how do you, how did you what did you think about President Obama pulling off surprise for, uh, for uh, Vice President Joe Biden Thursday, awarding him the Medal of Freedom? Oh,
1: that was amazing! I was watching at my desk and. Mm. You know, they were saying in the lead-up that the the event itself was a surprise. They they thought they were just going to go and do a quick, (laughs) you know, send off for staff and all that. So when he walked
0: in and you saw the reaction when he saw his family
1: there, I think he knew that it was more than that. But (laughs) I don't don't think any of us were expecting him to award the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And that's, you know, Joe Biden started crying. I started crying.
0: Yes, me too. It was it was incredible. I cried every time they replayed it too. I mean, it was just uh, they're both men. Of course, I don't know them as you, but uh, both men seem to me to be real, uh, humane, uh, and giving. And you know, and so when you in in times of crisis or surprise, you really get to see who a person is. And there they were. I guess is my point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just you saw the. The genuine relationship that they had. I mean honestly, if you think back, uh, I don't know that you've had such a strong friendship between a president and a vice president before mm. definitely not between bush and cheney and even between clinton and gore i think they were they were like adversarial but they weren't as close as these two families are
0: i agree i agree you know i'm going to uh we're going to dive into things now i've got a whole list of issues we won't get to all of them but but uh we'll get to what we can I keep hearing, as as a political writer and radio host, I keep hearing from people, what are we going to do now? I mean, what do progressives, uh, what does the American public in general, because I think we're in for some, those who voted for Donald Trump are in for uh, some uh, rude awakenings, but that's just my take on it. But uh, when I get the questions, how, how do we survive? And I wrote a piece uh, about uh, all, you know, Tip O'Neill, all... Um, politics is local and someone posted a couple of comments that obviously they didn't agree but i'd like to remind people of a couple of things Uh, the past outcries of uh, from americans against bank of america raising fees the wells fargo fake accounts epipen price hike the hedge fund scandal and now the outrage against the hundred and fifteenth congress on the first day trying to gut the independent ethics committee agency all of those things were reversed by an outcry from the public, not any particular person who might think they did it all by themselves. So I think Americans need to be assured, although the questions need to be answered, how do we do this? For instance, here are three, I'm just going to throw out three you answers you wish, congressional Republicans versus the Affordable Care Act under the cover of darkness, the new president's war with America's intelligence community. And the Justice Department's investigation of FBI Director Comey, take on any, uh, uh, to whatever degree you wish. uh, Yeah, so, you know, I think they're they're all important. And one
1: overarching thing I would just say is that people need to be vigilant. Uh, but also not get burnt out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's anything we've learned from the election is that the Trump campaign and now administration, they're very good at throwing lots of things out there. Yes. And if you throw so many things out there, it's really hard to focus. And it's not that one thing is necessarily worse than the other. They're all bad. Mm-hmm. But people have limited you know, attention and they have a limited time. And so really figuring out, you know, from you personally, well, where are my efforts best placed? Um, So, you know, and that that varies depending on who you are. You could be somebody like me who works in a big organization like this. Or you could be somebody, you could be a stay-at-home mom somewhere who's really worried about the Affordable Care Act. So maybe you focus your efforts on calling out members of Congress who in the middle of the night, like you said, um, tried to, you know, or actually succeeded in starting the first step towards repealing Obamacare, mm-hmm.
0: so you know, just reminding people
1: again, like this is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, and to, to keep that in mind, and then think about, you know, how can I be most uh, useful? And obviously, at my organization, if you go to our C4 website, which is AmericanProgressAction.org. You know, we're all about resist, you know, it's Mm -hmm. it's at the top of the page, we have different tools and and lots of uh, information about, you know, why right now it's nominations, it will be policies, it will be stuff happening on the hill, but why this thing is particularly bad and what you can do uh, to get involved. There are many other groups out there who are doing uh, good work and uh, helping
0: people get organized in their own communities. And I think that brings us back to what my point is, uh, politics is local. It's starting in your communities, as you've said. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, having a conversation
1: with some friends about some actions they want to take in a couple of months. Like, well, should we do it here or should we do it in the state somewhere? And I'm like, well... If your goal is to move members of Congress,
0: mm-hmm. then you need to do it in their district. Exactly. And you need to find some dedicated people who are willing to carry out
1: an action. Maybe it's an action a week. You know, you still want to overload people. But it's an action a week mm-hmm. where they are going to their uh, district offices or they're showing up at town halls. Um, you know, there are many different ways that people can engage, but you want to do it where they will notice it most um and it has to be their
0: constituents if there's anything that the tea party movement Mm -hmm. um, has taught us Mm
1: -hmm. um and this is part of i think the individual guide that's been going around the web written by former hill
0: people yes is
1: that members of congress don't care about people unless they live in your district unless you're a voter yes congresswoman unless you're my voter i don't care what you think Mm -hmm. because i don't serve you i serve my voters So getting those folks out to do stuff is really important.
0: You know, I so disagree with that philosophy, but it is true. You're absolutely right. Because the first thing when when I try to approach congressmen and women, uh, the first thing on their website is to ask your zip code. Right, right, exactly. That's exactly right. There's a reason why they did that. Yes. And you know, uh, I think all members of Congress should represent all Americans, but hey, uh, I'm also a pragmatic Democrat, so I, I believe uh, we we need to, as you say, the constituents, because it's not just Trump who's going to give the surprises. The members of Congress, when they go back to their, their districts and their uh, constituency, and they start talk, trying to defend or even explain what they're doing with Obamacare, they're going to get some surprises too, but okay, uh, let's talk about Chicago for a moment. On the one hand, President Obama does this magnificent farewell speech, and then within days, Attorney General Loretta Lynch is uh, accusing the Chicago police of systemic uh, excessive force. I, 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 I just don't know what we're in for. It's a, it's a, it's a fence that must be, or a needle that must be threaded so carefully. One cannot abide excessive force on the part of people who are supposed to be protecting and defending American citizens, and at the same time you can't, uh, the police union seems to be ready to defend an officer regardless. I hope I'm not being too harsh, but what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's tricky. It's, it's tricky across the country. You know, there was an easy solution. To figuring out how to better police relations, we would have figured it out by now. Yes. And I think what's happening in Chicago, you know, is especially egregious because you have members of or former police, you know, high-ranking officials basically saying, "Well, the reason why the crime rate is so high." Is because Black Lives Matter. Mm. You know they're drawing like this direct line between you know this group that is trying to raise awareness around police brutality, and saying that that's the reason why cops are not doing their jobs and mm. protecting these communities and backing away. And you know instead of addressing like what are the underlying issues, they're trying to scapegoat. And, you know, Chicago has had lots of problems for a while, and I think the Laquan McDonald video just really brought everything to the forefront and, and just kind of mm. exploded that powder keg. But there is an opportunity to, to to do something. The question is, is the political will going to be there? Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the I think sometimes po- the police are not very well served by the people they choose to be their spokespeople through the unions. It's not universal everywhere, but you look at New York and Chicago and some other cities and you have the reps, the public reps for the police unions out there saying
0: some of the most awful and incendiary things about the communities they serve. Yes. How is that supposed to help anything? Exactly. So, you know, I think there needs to be, and
1: look, that's not to say that there isn't like blame on the other side if you will and Mm -hmm. I even take umbrage on that there are like sides to this, this battle but you know there are obviously things that you know the community can't be or should be doing that they're not doing but at the end of the day you know, I've got some of my, my close cousins, my closest cousins who live in this area are police officers. Mm-hmm. And I fight with people on my Facebook page and I say,
0: I can be pro Black Lives Matter and pro police. Yes. Because I have to be. Yes. Because I'm a black woman, but I also have
1: family members whom I love who put their lives on the line yes. every day to protect me. And, you know, that's the job they signed up for. And it is a dangerous job. But. That is the job that they signed up for, and that is what they have to do. So, figuring out how we can improve, better improve community relations, there are some places across the country that are doing some innovative community policing models that are seemingly, you know, seemingly, they are working. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would encourage folks to look to those areas and see what could you learn from there, because. And nobody wins when there is a stark line between police and the communities they serve.
0: Exactly. If
1: I can't trust the cop who's supposed to be working my beat to, if I call them and I have a problem, that they're going to come and help me, which is an issue a lot of people have. Yes. Like, I you know, I'm getting robbed, or something's happening. But I don't trust the police to like not come and take on the person who's doing the crime. Mm-hmm. That's a problem we got to figure out how to solve. Yes,
0: absolutely. Okay, thank you. I'm going to again try to find a a, a more positive thing to, uh, for a quick <laughs> question. But I mean, you know, life is what it is, and we are dealing with it, and that, and we do need to. It's too much denial about climate change to be denying everything else but what what about this new american the first time in american history uh, lady liberty will be portrayed as a woman of color on the united states currency Uh, and i know it's a hundred dollar gold coin that is primarily for collectors i don't know why well why we couldn't do on, on coins that people would see every day but what, uh, is this any movement is it just a token expression what what do you think i mean it could just be a token expression but even those token expressions matter mm-hmm. you
1: know they 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 mean something uh you know much like
0: putting harriet Tubman on the 20s yes uh,
1: you know that it means it's it's symbolic it means yes. something that again it doesn't mean that Oh, look, race relations are just great.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and everything
1: is just fine. But, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who just scoffs at all of that because they're still more to be done. I, I take pleasure in small victories,
0: too. Exactly. Very good. Okay, then. How do progressives protect the working class in this Trump era we're entering uh, when many of them voted for him? Uh, what do we do? Well, I mean, I mean, I think you have to just
1: you have to hold, to the extent that you can, hold Trump accountable. So when he or the Republicans in Congress put forward legislation that is going to hurt the working class, you have to shout it from the rooftop that, hey, this is what you voted for, mm. and this is not what you said.
0: This is not what he told you he was going to do. Exactly. He said he was going to protect you, and instead, he is enacting this policy which
1: hurts you in this particular way and probably benefits wealthy people in this way because that's usually the way it goes. Yes. Uh, so I think, A, you have to hold him accountable, but B, you also have to put forward your own policies, even though you're out of power, mm-hmm. and explain why those are better policies for working class Americans. And, you know, I think progressives. To do a better job of doing that, because it's very clear if you, if you went down and looked at Hillary Clinton's policies versus what Donald Trump was putting forward, her policies are much better for the working class. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, they didn't believe it. So, you know, what do progressives need to do to make folks understand that the policies that they're putting forward aren't like trying to help somebody else mm-hmm. at your expense? They're actually geared towards helping you.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask a question that uh, will take us probably too long for this segment, but we can pick it up again on the other side. How do you—and I'm and it's not rhetorical—how do we drain the swamp uh, with Trump's nominees at the helm? <laughs> well.
1: Wow. I don't know about this we stuff, but I don't have to drain a swamp at all, because that wasn't my promise to drain it in the first place. Mm. So the onus is on Donald Trump to drain mm-hmm. the swamp. But the onus on progressives is, is to say, hey, he's actually stacking the swamp with like some of the swampiest swamp life yes. you could ever find. <laughs> and make sure that people understand it, because I think they give him a pass. They say, well these are people of Washington and so he's coming in to try to blow up the system so that's a version of draining a swamp mm. no it's not No. if you yeah. spent your entire campaign railing against Wall Street and claiming that your, your opponent is in a pocket of Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. and then two the top three financial postings in your administration you put
0: people from Goldman Sachs yes. I mean, that's Hypocritical, it's not trade the swamp. And,
1: like, that's the kind of stuff that progressives need to call Donald Trump out on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think that they can, like, Democrats on the Hill are not going to be able to stop all of his nominees. I think most of them will probably get through. Yes. There might be one or two that they might be able to stop. But I think they are doing a good job of exposing during yes. their questioning kind of
0: their there's swampiness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Swamp things. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm appreciative of uh, uh, Senator Graham and uh, uh, John McCain and, and of course, uh, Schumer and everyone who, as you say, uh, y- you have to shine a light on it. You have to at least do that. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Daniela Gibbs-Léger, who uh, is the Senior Vice President for Communications and strategy at American Progress. We'll be right back. Stay with us. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indy Film Minute. Fed Up came into and out of the movie theater so fast, you might think that film distributors had been pressured to get it out of circulation before the public had a chance to see and react to it. Still, for anyone concerned about the long-term health of American children, Fed Up is a must-see film. For anyone interested in the growing epidemic of obesity in America, Fed Up is a must-see film. And for anyone wanting to understand why losing weight is virtually an impossible task in our culture... Fed Up is a must-see film. Its message is that the Food and Drug Administration, the medical community, and thousands of individual experts have been giving us exactly the wrong information about what will keep us healthy. And they have been persuaded to do so by the packaged food industry. No one wants to believe in a vast conspiracy. Not really. But the researched facts assembled for this documentary speak otherwise. Diet and exercise don't really count for much at all, say the filmmakers. Not while we are being sabotaged by the excess sugar that permeates virtually all packaged foods. Don't believe it? Watch Fed Up. And then decide for yourselves whether you can safely ignore it. Fed Up. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at indiefilmminute.com. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today is Daniela Gibbs Leger. We've mentioned in the last segment, but in case you're just joining us, she is the Senior Vice President for Communications and Strategy at American. Progress and Daniela, just because we went through it rather quickly the last time, would you mind uh, giving us your website again, where we can find out more about you and what American Progress is?
1: Sure. So to learn more about our C3 Think Tank side, you go to americanprogress.org, and to learn more about our C4 our War Room. Uh, what we're doing to resist uh, the terrible policies that are sure to be coming down the pike from Donald Trump. You can visit AmericanProgressAction.org.
0: Very good. All right. We when we left, I believe I I asked a, a question about draining the swamp, and I think you you came in right under the clock with a terrific answer. It, it it's not that uh, I think they're they're just saints in Washington D C or Foggy Bottom or whatever. Certainly not on the Hill. But there are people who need to work together from both sides. you know the old biblical story. I can see the what is it, the sty in in your eye, but not my own so um we'll we'll move on for now. redistricting, gerrymandering uh and the latest supreme Court ruling regarding North Carolina. What do you think?
1: yeah, so we are actually we just had an event with uh Former Attorney General Eric Holder yesterday, ah. uh, early, earlier this week, yeah, talking about their new plans. You know, he and President Obama are overseeing. I'm not going to remember the name now, <laughs> but basically, the, the Democratic uh, operation to deal with redistricting because
0: yes. they understand just um, these gerrymandered districts
1: are. Such a threat to our democracy mm-hmm. And, you know the, like like many things in life, when the idea of what gerry, what you know gerrymandering started or, or maybe not when it started, but certainly when it gained popularity back in the sixties mm-hmm.
0: you
1: know the idea was that you needed to create some districts so you could have some diversity in Congress,
0: yes, and then it turned into a well since we have to do this thing let's see how we can also take it and turn it to our benefit yes. and then end up you know packing all of the black and brown
1: people into these weird uh non-contiguous almost non-contiguous uh districts um, and then basically take over the rest of the state yes from a republican point of view and you know it's something that i've been you know i'm not a election law expert or anything like that, but I've been very interested in, in trying to learn more about states like California that mm-hmm. are looking at doing nonpartisan redistricting mm-hmm. and, you know, and what can be done to uh, to alleviate this problem because,
0: as you know, everything stems from this. Yes, and, oh yes. Uh, the, you know, the reason why you have...
1: Congress the way it is and why things can't move because you these people who come from these districts that are not competitive mm-hmm. um, and they, they, unless
0: we change them, they never will be competitive Exactly yeah. it, It's, it, you know, it, it also, of course, is directly linked to this whole red mapping uh, I think it's, a, I frankly think, as part of the reaction to people, uh, when, when President Obama was elected I I think it scared a lot of people who certainly didn't want him to be elected, and their reaction to it was, oh, my God, I mean, not dissimilar to FDR being elected several times and JFK's election. There is a, an anti-reaction to these kinds of elections where people are reminded, and I'd like to remind all the working class people and the middle class people and the poor people too, it's it's the super rich who who know that the bottom line is when Americans get angry about something, and maybe Trump's election is an example of that as well, they can move mountains. And so when, when in my opinion, when Barack Obama this, this different looking presidential (laughs) candidate, um, was elected, they thought, oh my God. And so this whole ALEC thing and the red mapping and let's get into the states. Um, and if we can take over the the states and state government legislatures, then we can dictate, uh, districting. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, a solid, well-thought-out plan, and we, I think, Democrats need to be able to react to what the extreme right does, the way they react to what we do. Uh, how, uh, there's a question in there somewhere. <laughs> what, what do you think about red mapping? What can we do about that with so much money behind it? With the effort that uh, President Obama and Eric Holder are doing. Yes. So I would imagine the first step to be, would be to support
1: whatever that is. Um, because that that's the most prominent one. They will probably have some good money behind it. Uh, some good folks working on it. Yes. So I would see what's happening with that and, and support that. And the second thing is, is to go to your original point about our politics
0: being local. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that the right figured out a long time ago. the Money and resources and time into building their bench at the local level,
1: and you know, running folks for you know, dog catcher, city council, mm. school board, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, uh, elevating everybody from there. So I think, I think the progressives need to focus back on the states. Um, you know, look at the states where there's states where we have control of the state house, which is aren't many. There's states mm-hmm. where we have control of the governorships, which is more than that, but still
0: the Republicans dwarf what uh, Democrats do. Yes. And, and think about how what they can do at the local level to build capacity, build that bench, and get folks running for office. Yes, exactly. Okay, equality and justice for all not just words, as President Obama said the other day, I believe the Constitution is just a piece of parchment unless we the people make it mean something. The LGBT community now, deferred action for childhood arrivals, the Bridge Act, uh, the survival of Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, again, I'm throwing out three biggies at you, but how do you see where we're headed with those? You know, it's it's scary for folks who are in, you know, any of those affected groups, um, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of people. Yes. I I think on the
1: the Dreamers and DACA and and all of that, I know that, you know, Trump obviously ran (laughs) ran a very –
0: Racist campaign. Yes. Uh, and had a lot of things to say about, especially Mexican immigrants.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder if he is going to try and walk back some of the, I'm going to repeal DACA. I'm going to, you know, you know, take away the executive orders right away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if he does, if he if he doesn't do that, if he goes forward with trying to basically split up these families and make these Americans, because these are, you know, basically people who came here when they were kids. Yes. So they're Americans by all, mm-hmm. you know, intents and purposes except, mm. like, just by their legal papers. If American looking at sounding kids, yes. and you're going to
0: deport them, mm.
1: that's going to look really bad, and, and I think that that is something that progressives. We hope it never comes to that because that's obviously like you're talking about real people's lives yes. and ripping apart families. But if for some reason this administration goes down that road, I guarantee you that we will be there with a camera in their face mm-hmm. and we will we will we will tie this around their neck mm. and say, You are destroying families and these are law abiding citizens. Some of these are college students and they are contributing to the society. Yes.
0: And because of your
1: policy, you are ripping these families apart. And, you know, we'll see we'll see how long they would continue that policy. Something tells me they're gonna try and figure out a way mm. to deal
0: with this. Mhm. I think so too. I I do think first of all it's a, an intentional strategy on the part of Trump to just throw out so much and keep everyone running around and responding uh, to all that's being thrown out i think you mentioned that as well i think that's an intended strategy and i think it's it's the old thing of throw it against the wall and see what sticks but um i don't think he's willing he doesn't do well when challenged i mean obviously from his tweets and that we all see as an embarrassment yes but it's also the achilles heel i think I'm gonna I'm gonna change up just a little bit, I, you know. But I greatly appreciate this conversation. What do you think about the U.S. Secretary of Education nominee of Donald Trump? Oh, uh, uh,
1: Devos.
0: Yes. Or Devos. Devos. Yes, Betsy. How you De, say her name? Yeah, Betsy Devos uh, and her family's four million dollar donations to senators. You know she's pretty sloppy i gotta Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. in addition to the amount of money that her family has given to the very people who are going to vote on her nomination
1: if you look at we've done a lot of work looking at what she's already done in michigan Mm -hmm. and uh you know if you kind of follow the money again she gives money to conservative think tanks conservative think tanks push the idea of firing the people of Detroit and bringing on a city manager that reports directly to the governor Mm -hmm. and then that city manager switches the water supply which poisons
0: the kids and then they have to start doing bottled water which you know she's invested in the, company, the bottled water yes, company. Yes, yes. I mean it's it's disgusting. Uh,
1: and there are other examples of of her, you know, basically like being proud of the fact that you know she engaged in pay to play. Uh, it it it's not surprising, but it still pockles the mind that he has put in place here at the, the Department of Energy at the EPA, people yes. who have said publicly that I don't believe in whatever it is the agency is that they're going to leave. Yes. She doesn't believe in public education. Yes. She's yes. never said any of her kids to public school. She's never been to public school. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that she's going to be a true advocate for not just families in cities who rely on mm-hmm. public education, mm-hmm. but also... The people—the very people who voted for Trump—people who live in rural America where yes. there are no charter schools, where the only school you can rely on is the public school—and yes. uh, she's going to come in and like start taking money out of public schools and moving it towards privatization.
0: Uh, that just seems—that seems like a bad idea. Yes, it. it and it also—and and I think what you're implying is also—it's it, got to have a, uh, a backlash from people who who voted for Trump and people who didn't, of course, and the almost 3 million, you know, that we know voted for Hillary, 3 million more. But uh, I think, again, when the American public gets it, there is no bigger force for what uh, for doing the correct thing by everyone. Uh, it's unfortunate that too many Americans, and, and I know because I get these comments on things I write, uh, there seems to be a conservative point of view pretty consistently that if someone who doesn't look like them Gains, then they, the right must lose, and I just don't get that. I mean, uh, because someone gets a job doesn't mean that you lose yours, or, or because someone gets minimum wage doesn't mean there's a cut in yours. I, what, what are your thoughts? Am I, am I, rosy glasses too much here? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's definitely a, a very pervasive problem. Yes. Of. Um, um,
1: us versus them, right? So a perceived benefit to, you know, communities of color or immigrants or women or whatever seems like somehow it's taking something from, the you know, a white-working yes. class male. And I think that Republicans have done a good job of uh, hyping that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, and trying to exploit that for mm-hmm. their own political gain. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back to you know, you need to circumvent a lot of the ways that people are traditionally you know reaching folks, mm-hmm. um, and explain to folks why the policies that they somehow think are benefiting other people are actually benefiting them. Yes. And it's not us versus them. It's 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 everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, we're, we're getting close uh, to having to go. I, I, I know you need to run, and we. But uh, this cloud hanging over uh, our new executive branch because of the there really is a possible. There's been a telephone call uh, between the Trump team and and Russia during the. First of all, I, I don't. I don't think Trump really understands. Has any real grasp of what it means to be the President of the United States. I mean, if you think a blind trust is here, children, go run this for eight years, I'll see you, you know. And if you think that's a blind trust, then I already question your, um, just your general acumen about such things, but do you think he 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 truly gets what it means to be President of the United States? I'm not, you know. I don't think he does. There's still a small part of me that thinks that he didn't want to be president. He just wants to run and almost win to prove that he could do it. Yes. But that he has no, I mean, he has no interest
1: and understanding, I mean, he's not even taking intelligence briefings the yep. way every other president in recent history has. He has no intellectual curiosity. You know, it's just, I, I'm not saying that our president needs to be a rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. The Last, you know, President Obama obviously is very, very smart. Yes. Uh, George Bush was less smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, five DCC student, whatever. Uh, Bill Clinton, very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Bush I was very smart. I'm mm-hmm. um, not saying you
0: have to even be at that level, but yes. the, the
1: lack of interest that this president elect has shown is frightening. And mm-hmm. when you watch his press conferences and you
0: actually read transcripts of his answers to questions, it makes makes my skin crawl Mm. that this is a
1: person who's going to be representing this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, just a flagrant just, I don't care that it's probably improper for Mike Flynn to be calling Russia when I'm not in office yet the mm. day that sanctions are announced. Yes. I don't care. I'm just I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. and and that
0: is it's very troubling. And it yes. makes me think that we're we're in for a very long four years. Uh well I I completely agree with you and I I, I all I, I think it brings us back to what we both said. It's getting out there and acting on the local level, cities, counties, states state legislatures, governorships, but you got to keep your eye on Congress. As you say, I'll be there too with my camera and my recorder when they do these things because they must be held accountable and and only we can do that. Okay, we have had a marvelous conversation with the Senior Vice President of Communications and Strategy at American Progress, Daniela gibbs Leger. and Daniela again uh, tell us how we can find American Progress online and uh, keep up with the things that it and you are doing. You can visit AmericanProgress.org for our big tank side. And for our action side, you can visit AmericanProgressAction.org org. get involved in your resistance. Excellent. And is there any last thought you'd like to leave us with that take us out?
1: You know, just, just to remember that I know it's going to – next Friday for those people who don't support Donald Trump, is going to be a sad day, mm. a surreal day,
0: mm.
1: um, and that there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen over the next four years that are going to question your, your faith in his country. But just remember that despite what he says – he doesn't have a mandate. Mm-hmm. His margin was very small. Yes. It was 60,000 votes in three states out of millions cast, and Hillary Clinton got 3 million more popular votes mm-hmm. than he did. So this man doesn't have a mandate. He is going to be the president. I'm not denying that. But he has no mandate to um, enact uh, his crazy agenda,
0: and we have to remind him and the media of that every chance we get. Absolutely. And keep in mind on the day after the inauguration on Saturday, January 21st, 2,000 busloads of uh, people are coming in support of the Women's March in Washington, D.C. We have been talking to Daniela Gibbs-Léger, who is the Senior Vice President for Communications and Strategy at American Progress. You want to listen and follow what American Progress does and what Daniela is up to because she's, well, clearly she and the organization have their eye on what's going on moment by moment. Thank you so very much, Daniela, for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate your time. Right. thank you. All the best to you. Bye now. Okay. bye-bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Another film rental discovery. Hey, film lovers. The highly rated Indies at Vinegar Hill film series is back this month with the heartwarming Jordanian movie Captain Abu Rayad from director Amin Matalka. Join us on January 26 at 7 p.m. for a special screening followed by a lively Q&A with the director. Advanced tickets are now on sale at IndieFilmMinute.com. And don't forget, sign up for our email newsletter so you can stay up to date on future screenings. And now. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. The coming of age story is a classic film narrative. Young person experiences conflict at school or with family, gets involved in a romance, and comes out on the other end with a new outlook on life. We usually view these films through the veil of our own memories, so our reaction can be personal. But when they are well realized, as is the case here, the rewards carry extra appreciation. Written and directed by British sitcom star Richard Ayoade, Submarine tells the story of Oliver, age 15, as he deals with the twin perils of navigating his first relationship and discord at home caused by a new neighbor with eyes for his mom. Divided into two parts, girls first, family second, the film builds to a big, shambling climax where separate plot lines get tangled to form something bigger and more difficult to handle than Oliver could have anticipated. While all the actors in the film do a fine job, especially the two teen leads, the real star is first-time filmmaker Iowadi. His script is equally comedic and dramatic with wonderfully stylistic touches in editing and cinematography. Submarine honors the coming-of-age ideal by infusing indie quirk, humor, and fresh insight, and it will earn its place in your heart. Submarine. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. From a king's dream to a nightmare every 140 characters. If on Wednesday, January eleventh, 2017, when the person of 2016 again demonstrated his lack of First Amendment knowledge, deserters from the Fourth Estate, instead of leaping to their feet to curry favor with a boorish pretender to the crown, had in protest walked out on the Goliath du jour, that would have been America great again. Greatness and character are lost on those for whom ratings is definition and heroism. I like people who weren't captured for few recognize the courage of an American nearly beaten to death for the dream of democracy, justice, and equality. People like John Lewis deserve more than a tinge of color-blindness in February or a January federal holiday there are millions of americans of every hue territory creed and persuasion challenged with invisibility who now have used our political process to grasp at a mirage hoping to be seen blackish or not Since the military-industrial complex merged with trickle-down economics, vision for millions of good, well-meaning, patriotic Americans has narrowed to short-sighted absolutes. 1. What's good for my family is best for every American family. 2. No issue, not even affordable health care for my children in a life-threatening environment is more important than jobs. Three. The only solution to America's problem is something different. In 2016, media-fed oversimplification turned America hard right, and on February 20th, 2017, a 140-character wall will be ensconced to hide an American president from Americans. Because we've allowed elected officials to believe rules don't apply to them, america is at the intersection where dismay and defeat can t-bone peaceful assembly to protest foreign and domestic corporatism long before the war on women was waged by male conservative war-dogs conservative women insisting twentieth-century women were the pillar of family values indiscriminately opposed abortion the equal rights amendment and lgbt and income equality With the arrival of the lobster with no morals, elected by women with no color, America's gender parity cracks anew amidst malice aforethought, and fences rise like temperatures and sea levels to wall out the mutual justice of, I have a dream, through the lens of our 2016 elections, it may seem America was a perfect la-la land but that would be one of the many half-truths our parents continually tell our children for american exceptionalism has rarely embraced loving in black and white Shaking off the extremes of an electoral college and an unethical 115th Congress abandoning America with attempts to banish humanitarian ethics eliminates any need to relearn past lessons in right-wing red ink, wading us through the dead pool of Bush Cheney let's cast off leadership incapable of intellectual curiosity and instead emulate americans progressively committed to carry our lady's torch come hell or high water like a lion roar no more hidden figures calculating in moonlight being a raisin in the sun, of too big to jail, indiscriminately controlling white and blue collars, the disadvantaged poor and the working middle class, with marketed information keeping consumers and stockholders blinded by financial fears and, like nocturnal animals, desperate to keep America in darkness. Media's failure to give equal coverage to the wisdom of Viola Davis, to that of Meryl Streep, is testimony to how far we have yet to go to embrace stronger together. But Donald Trump proves how far we can distort our Captain Fantastic within. The next U.S. President thinks his power in his Twitter fingertips. We need make it his Achilles' heel, for one who so craves adoration will blow away like yesterday's dust as soon as we deny him our freedom. There are far greater traitors on Wall Street and in the halls of Congress than Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden. This revealing duo is more akin to the patriotism of Alice Paul, President and Jackie Kennedy, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., Bobby Kennedy, Rosa Parks, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Daniela Gibbs-Léger, and... Barack Obama, then anti-American birthers and Russian hackers. Truth is, patriotism is Americans participating in weekly protest events, because it's not government of, by, and for the people until we the people show up. This is us. Thank you. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.